Hello and welcome once again to Declaring Liberty. I am your host, Mark Pantano. Is it just me or is anyone else out there sick of the politics? I, I'm, I'm fed up with it. I, I watch, I listen, I read, I have to, but I'm sick of it. And it's not just impeachment, although I'm sick of that. But it's just the complete lack of seriousness um, in our body politic, period. We have serious problems. There are some serious issues that threaten the long-term future of this country that we don't even bother talking about anymore. It doesn't seem like anyone even gives a damn anymore about any of this stuff. Uh, certainly not on the left, and uh, as near as I can tell, no nobody on the right seems to care either. So I'm just I'm just fed up with all of it. Uh, people are just obsessed with the soap opera nature of politics, and that's about it. You know, their support for certain things will turn on a dime if political expediency. Compels them to. They, they, most people seemingly don't really care about anything. Just, you know, rooting for their team. It's a team sport now. That's all it is. It's, it's just, it's just another version of uh, our addiction to, to sports, and to competition, and to rooting for our side, and all, all of that. That, that's all it is. You choose your side, you're either a Democrat or you're a Republican, and then you constantly cheerlead your team and, uh, you know, you boo the other team. That's about it. That is it. So, well, I'm not going to talk too much about impeachment today. I'll, I'll say a couple of things. There's really not much that needs to be said other than what I've already said. In the last few episodes where I've talked about impeachment, Everything I said in those episodes uh, still holds. I don't retract any of it. It's all spot on. Uh, It's all correct. Now, in terms of how this thing will ultimately come out, I don't know. I'm not in the prediction business. But what I will say is that this is going to turn, as I've said before, on the facts and public opinion. That's it. Everything else is just background noise. Everything else is just the soap opera. Everything else is just filling air time. Everything else is just content for clicks in click-servative media and, and, and everywhere else. That's all it is. Here's what it's going to come down to. I told you, first of all, all this whistleblower stuff, still, it's, it's nonsense. Yes, it would be nice to know who the whistleblower is, find out about their background and all that stuff. But to what end? It's it's really irrelevant. Um, the allegations, I mean, this person, whoever this whistleblower is, admits that they don't have any firsthand information. So really, who cares other than to find out the politi- political motivations for this person filing their whistleblower report? But in terms of proving or disproving the substance of the allegations that the Democrats are making, the whistleblower is irrelevant. The whistleblower doesn't have any firsthand information. So this obsession over the whistleblower, where's the whistleblower? Why is the whistleblower hiding? All of this garbage. Um, it's, it's, it's just the soap opera. It's just noise. It doesn't matter. We're going to find out who this person is, I'm, I'm sure. Apparently, people already know. Rand Paul's out there saying he knows who it is and he's threatening uh, to name that person if the media doesn't do it. Fine, fine, all well and good. You know, I'm not a big fan of uh, anonymous allegations. So, you know, let's, let's find out who it is. But in terms of proving or disproving the substance of the allegations, uh, the whistleblower is irrelevant. It's going to turn, as I've told you from the beginning on all these other witnesses and documents and evidence, whatever there is, that is out there that the whistleblower put the Democrats onto. The whistleblower just made this report. Hey, this is what I've heard from these people. And 
The Democrats know who those people are now, and they're talking, I'm sure, to those people and getting more documents. All of that is what's going to either prove or disprove the allegations. Not somebody, some whistleblower who, by their own admission, doesn't have any firsthand knowledge of any of this. It's all these other people. It's Sondland and Bolton if he ends up testifying and all these different ambassadors and all these different people who have knowledge of these allegations, whether they're true or not true. All these people with firsthand knowledge, not the whistleblower, are the people who are going to be the relevant fact witnesses in this impeachment effort. That's it. Um, We haven't heard from any of those people yet, so we'll see. I don't know what the hell they're going to say. They may have nothing. This may just be a a, a trumped-up sham. You know, a witch hunt, as the president says. Or there may be something to it. You know, we've we've heard a lot of leaks and all this. I don't know. We're just going to have to wait and see. And here's the thing. All the, you know, all, all this endless talk about, you know, this is a Soviet show trial and, and this is all impeachment in the shadows and, and all of this. It, it's not. Soon it's all going to be public. We're going to see these witnesses. And so here's what's going to turn on. It's going to turn on the public hearings in Congress and what effect that has on public opinion. That's it. That's the beginning and the end of it. Okay, right now, there's no way, if public opinion remains what it is today, there's no way the president's going to be removed. No chance in hell. The only way the president gets removed from office, now, he may be impeached because, as you you all know, They only need a simple majority in the House. Democrats control the House. If they just stick together, they'll impeach the president. Okay. The big question is whether or not he'll be removed. And if it stays, if public opinion remains as it is today, there's no chance in hell the president is going to be removed from office. So if the Democrats are going to remove the president from office, they need to sway public opinion. They need to get the American people in favor of, of removing him from office in a sufficient number that the Republicans uh, feel safe voting for that in the Senate. Because make no mistake about it, if if the Republicans in the Senate in any eventual trial could vote in secret, they would remove President Trump in a heartbeat. Most of them don't like this guy. They just pretend to like this guy. They can't stand him. They can't wait till he's gone. And if they could get rid of him early by removing him from office in a trial without making their votes public, they would do it in a heartbeat. But they can't cast their ballots in private. They have to go on the record with this. And the only way they're going to do that is if public opinion turns significantly against the president. That's it. That's the only way. And the only way Democrats are going to accomplish that is through these public hearings. When these witnesses who are testifying behind closed doors today are called in front of Congress and are questioned for the whole country to see. And that's it. If if those witnesses are compelling and if the American people are persuaded that the president did something wrong and public opinion turns against the president then he could be removed from office. Barring that, he's not going anywhere. This whole thing, if it continues the way it's going, isn't going to result in the president being removed from office. However, uh, there is is something for Republicans, Trump supporters, to be concerned about. And that is the fact that without a single public hearing, Without the American people hearing from a single witness, seeing a single witness testify, if you are to believe the polls, they all have support for removing the president from office at roughly 50%. Give or take a point or two, roughly 50%. If those polls are to be believed, that is concerning because we haven't even heard a witness yet and already... 50% 50% of the American people want the president removed from office. Uh, that's not a good place to start. Um, so we'll just have to see. I have a feeling that those numbers probably aren't going to move very much. 
I mean, those 50% are probably people that just hate Trump no matter what anyway. I know support for impeachment was lower than it is right now, you know, a few months ago, but not significantly. There's always been 40 plus percent of the American people who would want Trump impeached and removed from office since day one. Uh, I don't think this is necessarily as a result of these current allegations. That's just these people always wanted him gone. So I don't know. We'll just have to wait and see how it plays out. I do have a poll, um, well, an article in Breitbart here reporting on a poll. What is this? Um, How is today? Support for impeachment falls from 51% to 47% since mid-October. So it's if this poll is accurate, support for impeachment has dropped in the last few weeks. Um, and I'm not surprised. It's hard to even know. I mean, I know. You probably know. Those of us who really pay attention to this stuff know. But if you're just the average person who doesn't pay a whole lot of attention to this, it's hard to even know what the allegation is, what they're even saying Trump did wrong. And, you know, this has been going on for a month now or more, and still most people have no idea what the allegations even are. And so after all this time, with not even the basics, like, please explain to me what you're saying he did wrong, without that, it's no wonder that support for this is going down. But again, it's going to turn on the witnesses. That's ball game. That's everything. Because we'll hear firsthand what these people have to say. And more importantly, we'll see the images of them testifying. Democrats, if they're going to impeach this president, well, if they're going to remove him from office, they are going to have to create moments. You know, iconic moments of important witnesses with damaging testimony against the president testifying in Congress that they can show repeatedly on all the news channels and everything for days and days and days. That's what they need. In my opinion, that's the only chance that they really have to turn public opinion against the president. And even if they are able to turn public opinion against the president, it's, a, it's also a, de- question, a question of degree. How much can they turn it against the president? They're going to have to turn it significantly. In order, to, in order for them to remove Trump from office, they're going to have to get support for his removal up to 60% or more. Without that, they've got nothing. And then they run the real risk of this whole thing blowing up in their face. So they have taken... You know, they've made a huge gamble here, politically. And it's all going to come down to these public hearings. And that's, uh, you know, until then, I don't know where this is going to go. So that's it. Anything else I have to say? Nah, I don't really want to talk about this anymore. Okay, let's talk about the First Amendment, shall we? I've got an article here about Alexandria Estupida Cortez. This is a a story in the Washington Times. AOC settles lawsuit after blocking critic on Twitter. Representative, Representative Alexandria Estupida Cortez settled a lawsuit brought by a former Brooklyn lawmaker after blocking him from her Twitter account, where she has nearly 6 million brain dead followers. Anyway, Dov Heikind, a former state assemblyman, criticized the millennial socialist after she compared migrant detention centers to concentration camps. As a result, Mrs. Stupida Cortez blocked him on Twitter. He filed a lawsuit in July claiming that she violated his First Amendment rights. Mrs. Stupida Cortez issued an apology in accordance with the settlement, testifying in court last week, according to the New York Post. Quote, I have reconsidered my decision to block Dov Heikind from my Twitter account, Miss Estupida Cortez said. Mr. Heikind has a First Amendment right to express his views and should not be blocked for them. In retrospect, it was... Retrospect? I'm surprised she even knows what that word is. Obviously, she didn't write this statement herself. And there's no indication here in the story whether she pronounced the word correctly, but whatever. In retrospect, it was wrong and improper and does not reflect the values I cherish. 
I sincerely apologize for blocking Mr. Hykind, her statement said, according to the Post. Now and in the future, however, I reserve the right to block users who engage in actual harassment or exploit my personal slash campaign account at AOC for commercial or other improper purposes. Okay, and this comes on, on the heels of a federal appeals court last year uh, ruling that President Trump violated the First Amendment in blocking people on Twitter. This whole thing, now, this AOC thing, yeah, I like seeing her embarrassed or whatever, but look, this is, this is not right, okay? This is, this is making a mockery of the First Amendment. There is no First Amendment violation when someone blocks another person on Twitter, even if that person is an elected representative. The First Amendment only prohibits government action, which prohibits people from exercising their freedom of speech. Government action. Alexandria Estupida Cortez blocking someone on Twitter is not government action. President Trump Blocking someone on Twitter is not government action. These rulings are absurd. Now, in this AOC case, this was not a ruling. This was a settlement. Uh, but we do have a ruling, an appeals court ruling, in the Trump blocking situation. And I believe he's still fighting that. Good. Because this is outrageous. You know, just because someone gets elected to public office and they become a government official. That does not mean that every single thing that this person does is a government action. People are not themselves the government. They only exercise certain authorities as a result of being elected to, to their offices. But not every single thing they do is a government action. Okay? These people have personal lives too. Not everything they do is government-related. Not everything they do is a government action. Now, Trump, as president, was not exercising presidential authority in blocking someone from his Twitter account. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, estupida, was not exercising the uh, powers of her office in blocking someone on Twitter. The First Amendment only prohibits government action, and if we're going to start applying this to every single person who is a member of the government and every single thing that they do is government action, then this is not the same country that the founders created. People are not themselves the government. They simply exercise authority given to them. And only that authority which the Constitution gives to their office. They are not exercising government authority and blocking people on Twitter. And it's, it's, it's a shame that AOC settled this case. She should have fought it. I'm glad President Trump is fighting it because this is ridiculous. Now, the, um, the legal rationale put forth by some of these plaintiff's attorneys is that, for example, President Trump, this was this is how the argument went. President Trump, in being on Twitter and posting comments on Twitter, creates a public forum around his Twitter account. And that banning people from participating in that public forum violates the First Amendment. Well, that's absurd. If that were the case, then it should be unconstitutional for Twitter to block anyone from their platform, to shadow ban people, to suspend people. People get banned from Twitter every day. People get suspended and put in like little Twitter timeout every day for saying something that the little Twitter overlords disapprove of. Well, if this public forum argument is to win the day with respect to Twitter then 
How the hell is Twitter itself not a public forum? And how is it not a violation of the First Amendment for Twitter itself to ban people from their platform? If this is a public forum, then Twitter cannot ban people from a public forum. Now, I'm not arguing for that because that's a ridiculous bastardization of the First Amendment. This is not a public forum. You know, Twitter is not a public forum, and certainly Trump's account is not a public forum for purposes of the First Amendment. But, look, if this is the way they're going to go, then apply it broadly and prohibit social media platforms from banning anyone, from putting anybody in timeout, Twitter jail, Facebook jail. Because they do that all the time. All right, that's the uh, AOC thing. Here's another First Amendment story. This is from Campus Reform. Poll, majority of students want punishment for offensive costumes. More than half of American university students support punishment for their peers who wear highly offensive Halloween costumes. A recent poll by the College Pulse found that more than half of students do not believe that dressing in offensive costumes is protected free expression and support the notion that those who partake in such costumes should be punished. A majority of students, 51%, indicated that students who wore such costumes should be punished, while 49% said that highly offensive costumes are a protected form of free speech. All right, so 49% of it. Well, that's encouraging. I'm actually surprised at that it's that high, to be honest with you. The number of students saying others should be punished for offensive Halloween costumes is even higher at elite universities, with 58% of Ivy League students saying that wearing offensive costumes should have consequences. 58% of our betters at Ivy League institutions uh, do not believe in the First Amendment. Okay, well, that's encouraging. And I've, in, in, in uh, tandem with that story, I've got another one here. Also from Campus Reform. Poll, most young Americans support hate speech exemption in First Amendment. A majority of young Americans, including those who are college-aged, well, of course, morons, support rewriting the First Amendment to adjust for, quote, hate speech. A recent survey conducted by the Campaign for Free Speech asked 1,004 uh, 1, people about their attitudes towards the First Amendment. The results, published Wednesday, show that a majority of young adults believe that the First Amendment goes too far in allowing hate speech and should be, quote, updated. When asked more directly if hate speech should be against the law, 50% of people within the same age group answered yes, with 47% saying that an appropriate consequence for hate speech would include possible jail time. 47% of people would put, of, the, of these young people, would put people in jail. In jail for engaging in whatever they define as hate speech. An overwhelming majority of young adults agreed that the government should, quote, be able to take action against newspapers and TV stations that publish content that is biased, inflammatory, or false with 63% of people between the ages of 18 and 34 agreeing to such policy. Look, this is what happens when you allow the left to take over our education system. And make no mistake about it, the left thoroughly controls our education system. From kindergarten all the way to graduate school. The fact that we even have a term called hate speech just shows you how far away from the notion of free speech we have gotten in this country. That we're even debating this and having this conversation is, is evidence that we're moving in the wrong direction. There is no such thing as hate speech. But I guarantee you, I, I mean, in terms of constitutional jurisprudence, there is the, the Supreme Court has never acknowledged, recognized, a category of speech that could be banned uh, called hate speech. There is no such thing legally as hate speech. But if you asked most Americans, I'm sure that they would agree that there is such a thing called hate speech. 
And I don't know what the uh, overall numbers among Americans would be if a similar poll was conducted um, as these young people. I, I doubt it would be quite as high. But I would imagine that a, a, a fairly shocking number of Americans would be in support of banning hate speech. And, and they're just too stupid to understand that once you do that, you give the government complete control. Hate speech at that point becomes whatever the government says it is. That's what hate speech is. And hate speech, you ask 10 different people what hate speech is, you'll get 10 different answers. You know, all these morons who answered these polls and said that they believe that the government should be able to ban and punish and put people in jail for hate speech. If you ask those idiots to define hate speech, they would all give you a different answer if they gave you an, an answer at all. They'd probably just stand there with a stupid look on their face and scratch their asses. These are your college students, America. These are, these are the majority of your college students. You know, they refer to colleges and universities as institutes, institutions of higher education. Let me tell you something. There's very little higher education happening in our colleges and universities. Maybe in certain degree programs there are. But by and large, there isn't. And let me tell you something else. Even in these degree programs, these STEM fields and actual courses of study in actual disciplines that actually make sense, you know, there are some of those. But even in those, these students are still subjected to all this nonsense as well. You know, you go, you go and get a four-year degree. You go get a bachelor's degree in, um, I don't know, engineering or whatever. How many of your courses are actually going to be in engineering? You are still required to take a boatload of courses and all this other crap in order to get your degree. So just because someone is in a STEM field or some, some real field of study doesn't mean they're not also getting all this left-wing propaganda. They are. They're getting a hell of a lot of it. And it's not just the classrooms. I've tried to explain this to people over and over again. At your typical four-year residential school, you know, your, the, the typical college experience that you think of. Kids go away and live on campus for four years. In that sort of a setting, the left-wing propaganda that they get in class is nothing, nothing compared to the left-wing indoctrination they get in the overall residential experience because they are only in class you know a three credit class they're in they're they're in class for like three hours a week for a semester that's really not a hell of a lot of time and while these professors might take every opportunity to shove their left-wing propaganda down these idiots throats they're not spending all their time doing it they actually have to cover the subject they're supposed to teach you know at least a little bit so they're only getting so much of that left-wing propaganda in class. The majority of it, by far, is outside of the classroom. In every other aspect of campus life, it permeates the entire campus. These campuses are like a little bubble of leftism. In many ways, they bear no resemblance whatsoever to the outside world. And it is in those bubbles where the indoctrination takes place. Not just the classroom, but the overall culture. You know, it's like a Spanish immersion course. You know, the best way to learn a foreign language, Spanish or whatever, is you just go and you're immersed in it. That's all you hear is Spanish. You know, people take trips to Mexico. for They go down there for like a month. They get solid immersion. No, They hear nothing but Spanish. They do this... The customs, everything. They're just they just live in the culture. That's what it's like on a college campus. They're living leftism. It's left-wing immersion. That's what a college, a four-year college, is all about now. Why do you think the Democrat Party wants to give free college to everyone? Do you do you really think that it's about education? It has nothing to do with education. That's not the reason they want people in college. They want, they want to make college free 
so that more and more people will go. And the reason is not to educate them, but to indoctrinate them. Study after study after study proves that the more time a person spends in college, the more likely they are to become a liberal. Democrats know this full well. That's why they want free college. They want everybody to go to college. They want everybody to go to college and stay in college as long as possible. So they will get as much free college as they can get. For, you know, If they have to start with free community college, then two years of college for free, then four years for free, then it's going to be free graduate degrees, free everything. The more they can keep these people in college, the more reliably Democrat they will become. That is why Democrats push college. That's why they push free college. That's why they want to hear no talk about trade schools or other avenues for career success. They don't want to hear anything about that. It's college, college, college. They don't care what you get a degree in. They don't even care if you get a degree in the STEM fields. You know, because we all tell ourselves, well, as long as you go for a degree in the STEM fields, you're not going to get the political indoctrination. Bullshit. Yes, you are. Now, you might come out with a better degree and have a better opportunity for success in your life than if you go and get a degree in gender studies. But you're still going to get a lot of the same left-wing propaganda because, you're number one, you're going to be forced to take a boatload of those classes in order to graduate. But more importantly, you're going to be living in that left-wing bubble the entire time you're there. So you might be in the en engineering program. Okay, you might not be taking lesbian study courses, but you're still living in that left-wing bubble. And that's where the real indoctrination takes place. So it doesn't matter what you're really studying. It doesn't matter what degree program you're in. You're in that bubble. And as such, you are being indoctrinated. And the indoctrination is so absolute and subtle at the same time, most students have no idea that it's even happening. You go on a college campus, leftism is just what is. It is what is normal. Everything that is, is radical that we see in society is normal on college campuses. So this is what happens when you let the left take over education. And you know what? We, we don't talk about this at all. You know, the Republican Party doesn't talk about it at all. Trump doesn't talk. Nobody talks about it. What has happened to our education system? But again, nobody's interested in, in the issues. People are just interested in the soap opera. That's it. No one really cares. It's just go team. And neither team is focused on education. Well, the Democrats are focused on education, but quietly. They are just... And they don't really need to do much anymore. They've already conquered our education system. They own it. They control it. So they don't, they don't need to say anything. The only thing they say is let's expand access to college. Let's make it free for everybody. And what do Republicans do? Nothing. We oppose, you know, we oppose the free college for everybody, but we only do that on economic grounds. Well, we can't afford that. But meanwhile, do we discuss any other aspect of education or the fact that the left uses it as an indoctrination camp? No, we don't even talk about it. People on our side are completely oblivious to the threat that these that our education system poses to the future of the country. Do you, if you believe that Democrats pose a real danger to the future of the country because of what they would do, how they would deny us constitutional rights, they would take your guns if they could, uh, they would bankrupt this country, they would institute the Green New Deal and Medicare for All, they would bankrupt us. They would, they would have no, no border at all. Anyone who wanted to come into this country, whether you're a cartel member uh, or, you know, a seamstress from Guatemala, it doesn't matter. They can all come in. And why? For Democrat votes. That's why. As many poor people as they can get into this country and minority poor people is even better because then they can, they can, uh, they can go after them in two ways. One, they can give them freebies, get them, vote, getting, get them dependent on the government, getting them voting for Democrats. 
for the rest of their lives. And two, uh, they can race bait. You know, tell these poor minorities uh, that Republicans are racist and your only way to achieve success in this country is to vote for Democrats. So they would do that. So if you believe that Democrats are a threat to the future of the country, then you need to pay attention to what's going on in our education system and you need to demand that people actually address this and reverse this. You know, there are things we can do. We don't have to let the left control our education system. But here's the thing. They're using it to advance their party. They're using it to create new Democrat voters. The same way they use illegal immigration. It's for the same reason. They want open borders for the same exact reason they want free college for everyone. To create more Democrats. That's it. Now they don't admit that. But when do they ever admit their true intent in anything they do? They never do. But our, our side is completely oblivious. We don't even talk about it. You know, we'll talk about the illegal immigration. We recognize that illegal immigration, that, the de that Democrats support illegal immigration in order to create future Democrats. But I never hear people on our side talking about the education system in that way. And that's what the education system is for. Year after year, we graduate millions and millions of left-wingers out of college. They've been programmed. They've been indoctrinated. They couldn't tell you the first thing about United States history, but they can tell you all about transgenderism. They can tell you all about white privilege. They can tell you... You know, they can, they can talk for hours about how Republicans are racists and hate women. All of that, they know, they know all of that. They know all the left-wing propaganda. They don't know math. They don't know geography. They don't know history at all. They don't know the Constitution. They couldn't tell you anything about the Bill of Rights. But they can tell you the left-wing propaganda. Because that is what is the focus of these colleges and universities under the guise of education. Okay. Here's another thing that nobody's serious about. Senate rejects Paul effort to cut spending. This is an article from The Hill from last week. The Senate on Monday rejected an effort by Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky to place an across-the-board spending cut in a domestic funding package being debated by lawmakers. Senators voted 24-67. 67 votes against cutting spending. Anyway, Rand Paul offers an amendment to some spending bill that would force a small reduction in spending and two-thirds of the Senate vote against it. Republicans control the Senate. They don't want to have anything to do with cutting spending. Fiscal year 2019. Just ended September 30th. The fiscal operating deficit for that year was $1.2 trillion. We now have over $23 trillion of debt. And that's just fiscal operating debt. That, has, that, that doesn't count unfunded liabilities at all for all these government entitlement programs like Social Security and Medicare. Doesn't include that at all. It just includes the money already spent. When you include unfunded liabilities, monies that the government is by law required to spend, Social Security and the like, we're talking over $200 trillion. An astronomical number. A number that's going to bankrupt this country. And we can't even impose a tiny little budget deficit reduction amendment. We can't even cut spending a tiny little bit. And keep in mind, this is when the economy is good. We're running a $1.2 trillion deficit. You hear Trump all the time telling us that this is the greatest economy in U.S. history. Of course, that's blatantly not true. Uh, but that's for another show. But nonetheless, it is a good economy nonetheless. It's still a good economy. And we have a $1.2 trillion deficit. When the economy is good? When the economy is good is when we're supposed to be cutting back 
and paying down some of this debt, getting our financial house in order. Because as we know, every time we go into recession, the government thinks it's their job to increase spending in order to, you know, uh, stimulate the economy. Of course, this never works, but they do it nonetheless. And we know that the next recession, they'll do it again. And it doesn't matter if it's Democrats or Republicans. It's just, you know, it's, it's, it's just an accepted fact, an accepted incorrect fact, that government spending leads to economic growth. You know, Keynesian economics. It's bullshit, but both parties buy it hook, line, and sinker. So the next time we hit a recession, which we're going to, by the way, uh, it's inevitable. It's what happens. Next time we hit a recession, you can count on spending to increase. But here we are in, quote unquote, the greatest economy ever. And we're running a $1.2 trillion deficit. Just as an aside, I remember when President Trump was running for office, he actually said that in eight years, if he got two terms, he would not only reduce the deficit, not only get us to a balanced budget, but he said that he would eliminate the national debt. Of course, that was a ludicrous claim, but nonetheless, he did make it. He said he would get us to a balanced budget and eliminate the national debt. You know that debt that is now $23 trillion. After eight years, he would there would be no $23 trillion debt. It would be zero. He'd get rid of it. And we'd have no deficits anymore. Um, but obviously that's not going to happen since we're adding $1.2 trillion to the debt every year now. That is uh, Obama era spending. Obama and Trump are the greatest spenders in American history. Not aggregate, obviously, because Trump's only been in office for three years. But as an average, Trump and Obama, if you, if you average uh, their deficits versus the, you know, the years in office, uh, those two presidents are the most profligate spenders in American history. It used to be Obama and Bush, um, but now it's Obama and Trump. Just, you know, just thought I'd throw that out there. Um, you can go back to, you know, cheerleading and the pom-poms and all that. Because that's apparently all anybody wants to do. Not you guys. I know you guys are more serious than that. But you get the point. Oh, and by the way, I'm, I'm going to end it on this. Let me see if I can find this article. I should have printed it out. Um, okay, here it is. This is a story in Breitbart that came out yesterday. <sighs> Poll. Majority of Trump supporters back him no matter what. A new Monmouth University poll released Tuesday showed that more than 60% of President Donald Trump's supporters will support him no matter what. According to the survey, 62% of Trump supporters said there is not, quote, anything that Trump could do or fail to do in his term as president that would make them disapprove of the job he is doing. There isn't anything he could do. Nothing. There is nothing that Trump could do that would make them disapprove of the job he is doing. I don't know how else to say this. This is a cult. This is disgusting. Uh, I'm a, you know, this is embarrassing. This is what has become of the Republican Party. And don't misunderstand. This is not a comment on Trump. This is a comment on his most ardent supporters. They are cultists. There is nothing American about this idea that you will support a politician no matter what he does or doesn't do. That's not being a free-thinking American citizen. That is being a cult follower. That's all that is. That's not politics. That's, that's cultism. It's not anti-American, but it's certainly 
un-American. There is no American virtue in that. And that right there, 62% of Trump supporters saying that there is nothing that the man could do that would cause them to lose their support. Right there is the reason why we don't have a border wall. Right there is the reason why last year was the worst year for illegal immigration since 2007. Right there is why nothing substantial has happened to reduce illegal immigration. That right there is why we have a $1.2 trillion deficit. That's why Trump has added $3 trillion to the debt since he took office. That is why, I mean, pick your, pick your failure. That is why nothing has happened. And I don't understand these people who tell me that Trump is the greatest. Oh, here's another one. Let me, let me print out. The, where's this article? Uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, oh, damn it. I hate these ad books. So many sites now. You can't view them if you have your ad blocker on. All right. Turn my ad blocker off. President Donald Trump. This is in Mediaite. President Donald Trump took self-aggrandizement full circle at his Kentucky rally, offering fulsome praise for the great Fox business host Lou Dobbs for offering his own fulsome praise of Trump when he recently lauded him as the greatest president in the history of our country. So, I've, 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 I've read this thing. Lou Dobbs has... has started praising Trump by saying that he is the greatest president in American history, specifically saying he's better than Washington, better than Lincoln, better than Reagan, better than everybody. That Trump, out of all the presidents in our history, is the single greatest. That's that's nuts. On what basis do you make that claim? You know, if you're going to say, and th- again, this is, I'm not running down Trump here. I'm running down these people who are cultists. There's, Trump has done a lot of good things. Don't make, don't, don't miss mistake, mistake me. And that's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm not running down Trump. But to make the claim that he is the single greatest president in American history, you're going to have to point out some really spectacular achievements. What can you point out? The only thing that I hear Trump supporters repeatedly cite as evidence that Trump's of Trump's greatness is the economy. Now, I, I will grant you the economy is good. Is it the greatest economy in, in history, uh, in U.S. history, as Trump claims all the time? Of course not. And maybe I'll do a show on that to prove that, but it's nowhere close to the greatest. I mean, just look at the growth rate for crying out loud. Our growth rate is below 2%. You cannot credibly argue that this is the greatest economy in U.S. history with a growth rate under 2%. Now, you can argue that certain aspects of the economy are the greatest in history. You can make the argument that the unemployment rate is the lowest in history. Of course, there are problems with our employment rate. Uh, Chief among them is that so many of the jobs are shit jobs. That's why people are still struggling so. um, Because many of these jobs are shit. And a lot of this also has to do with Obamacare. You know, Obamacare forced employers with more than 50 employees to provide health insurance uh, and and provide health insurance to employees who work, you know, I think it's 30 hours a week or something like that. So that has caused businesses to, if they can, keep their workforce below 50 employees. But companies that do have more than 50 employees and therefore would be required to provide health insurance for people to work, uh, for, for every employee who works a certain amount of hours, all they do is they cut their hours to keep those employees below that number so that they don't have to give them health insurance. And so a lot of these, a lot of people aren't getting enough hours and they aren't getting benefits and they're having to go out and get second jobs. And that's one of the things that is keeping the employment, the unemployment rate low. There is truth to the fact, you know, some some uh, 
What the hell just popped up on my computer? I don't know. Oh, see, because I took my ad blocker off. And now I got screwed with all these pop-ups. Okay. So we're, there is some truth to this Democrat criticism of the economy when they say that, yeah, the unemployment rate is low, but that's because so many people are, are have two and three jobs. Well, it's not anywhere near the degree to which you know people like Estupido Cortez claim that it is. But there is some truth to it. Because, these, as I say, these companies are forced to you know, uh, cap the number of hours per week that employees work so they don't have to pay them health insurance or give them health insurance. And so people are out there getting uh, multiple jobs to, uh, to make ends meet or, and or to, to get benefits from some other job. Okay, so the economy, it's all just grant you. It's a good economy. And Trump deserves a lot of, of the credit for the economy, no doubt. But beyond the economy, what are these great accomplishments that make him the greatest president in American history? Because let's face it, there are many presidents in our history who've had great economies while they were in office. And many of those presidents had much stronger economies than we do. Again, one point something percent growth rate, that's pathetic. Especially with a, a unemployment rate so low. We should be 6-8% growth rate. If you're going to have a real booming economy, you want to see 6 plus percent growth. We have less than 2. That's pitiful. Okay, but there have been a lot of presidents in our history who've had great economies with a hell of a lot better growth rates than we're seeing right now. So you can't just say that he's the greatest president in history on the basis of the economy alone. You're going to have to find some other big accomplishments. What other big accomplishments are there? Like really great American president. You know, if you're going to be the greatest American, what big, great, huge accomplishment. If you're the greatest American president, what is the history books going to say are your great achievements? The economy, what else? You would think that the greatest president in American history would have at least accomplished his main campaign promises, right? What were his main campaign promises? Stopping illegal immigration, building a big, beautiful wall that Mexico was going to pay for, and repealing and, and replacing Obamacare. And he talked about the economy too. We'll give him the economy um, as a success, as a, an achievement, right? But the other two, stopping illegal immigration, well, that sure as hell hasn't happened. Last year, fiscal year 2019, just ended September 30th, worst illegal immigration since 2007. It has gotten worse since he took office. Well, that was certainly not accomplished. How about the wall? No, we have small little sections of the wall that we're only starting to build now. And did you see these stories that apparently Mexican drug cartels and others are able to cut through the fence because it's not really a wall. It's a freaking fence. They're able to cut through the fence with tools that they that you can buy at Home Depot for a hundred bucks, and they're able to cut through the fence in minutes. All right, so we didn't get a big beautiful wall. We only have tiny little sections of fence that the cartel can cut through in minutes with tools that they buy from Home Depot. And for that crappy little fence, um, we've had to pay for it. Mexico didn't pay shit. So. Was that one of the major accomplishments? No. That was an epic failure. At least to this point. What else? Obamacare? Did we repeal that? Hell no. Do we even talk about repealing that anymore? Uh, hell no. So what are these huge accomplishments? And again, I'm not running down. Well, I guess I'm kind of running down Trump on these specific issues. But the point is not to run down Trump. The point is to call out these freaking cultists. Look, you could say Trump is a good president. You could support President Trump. That's all fine. I'm not going to argue with you on that. But to say that, the, that Trump is the greatest president in American history is ridiculous in the extreme. And to see 62% of Republicans say that there is absolutely nothing that the president can do or not do to cause them to lose their support, to cause Trump to lose their support, um, is a disgrace, in my opinion. It is disgraceful to give personal loyalty to any politician. 
These people are supposed to represent us, not be our cult leaders. This is disgusting. And if I got to spell out why this is so disgusting and un-American, then you shouldn't even be listening to this podcast, honestly. Uh, But I'm glad that you are. Maybe I could change your mind at some point in time. Get your mind right. Start thinking like an American. Start exercising some independent thought. Start taking your citizenship seriously. Instead of just giving it over uh, to a person. And again, it's not a comment on Trump. It's a comment on what this party has become under President Trump. And that is not good. What is this party going to be when Trump leaves office? Because it all, all that this party seems to be now is a cult of personality. Well, at least 62% of it is. Obviously not everybody. But the majority, the clear majority of the Republican Party is now nothing but a cult of personality. And that's not healthy for any political party. And it doesn't matter who... The cult leader is. And I'm not saying that Trump is trying to be a cult leader. Of course, I'm not saying that he's not trying to be a cult leader, but that's discussion for another day. But this is is a failure of independent thought. This is a failure of taking your American citizenship and the future of your country seriously when you say something like, there is absolutely nothing that a politician, a specific politician could do that would make me stop supporting them. I I can't even believe that this is what the Republican Party has come become. 62% has become a cult. That's not good because we've got two parties, two major parties. And at least for now, we're going to have to operate within the confines of that two-party system. The Democrats are completely lost. Those people are batshit crazy. And they're getting further and further left by the day. They would destroy this country in rapid time. In no time at all. They would would take us to a third world country. They would throw open our borders. Citizenship would mean nothing. Everyone would become, become a public dependent. Free everything. In no time at all, the economy would absolutely crash. No countries are going to bail us out. No countries can bail us out. We're too big. We're going to be devastated. The social unrest that would follow, unimaginable. That's what the Democrat Party would do. All the while, taking your rights and your liberties away from you as they went. That's what the Democrat Party would do. Every one of them. They're nuts. There are no moderates left in the Democrat Party. All the moderates have left the Democrat Party. That's why there is not a single moderate running for president. I mean, at one point, we had like 58 people running for president. I don't know. It was a big number on the Democrat side. Not one of them was a reasonable moderate. All of them supported the full government takeover of health care to one degree or another. All of them were against border security. All of them were in favor of illegal immigration. All of them were in favor of stripping law-abiding citizens of their Second Amendment rights. All of them. The fringe is now the mainstream of the Democratic Party and all the moderates are gone. So that leaves one sane party left, the Republican Party. But now, 62%, if this poll is to be believed, 62% of that party is no longer free-thinking American citizens who take their future seriously. They are—they have given themselves over to a person. They have sworn their loyalty to a person. And I don't care that that person may be doing a good job right now. That's not the point. It doesn't matter whether the cult leader is doing a good job. The point is, there shouldn't be a cult leader. And whether or not he wants the mantle of cult leader, he's got it. Because that's how 62% of the Republican Party views him. They view him as their cult leader. Now, they will never admit that they're cultists. 
but cultists never do. These people are cultists. They're they're every bit as nuts as the people on the left. I'm sorry. There's no other way to describe this. It's nuts to say something like there is absolutely nothing that a particular take Trump's name out of it. Okay, say Obama. We would have said that this was disgusting if 62% of the Democrats said that there is absolutely nothing that Obama could do to make them abandon Obama. Right? We would say that that's sick. That's a cult. That's un-American. Well, now we're doing it on with respect to Trump. And it's just as sick and it's just as un-American as people who behave that way towards Obama. You know, this party is supposed to be a little better than that. Politicians need to earn our support, not be entitled to it. And when you pledge your loyalty to a person, you lose your ability to influence that person. When you say to any president, we're going to support you no matter what you do or don't do, that president gets to take you for granted. They don't have to give a damn what you want or don't want. That's why he has not felt compelled to build that border wall. Because it's been too hard. Because what would it have meant? What would he have had to have done to get that border wall built as he promised? Well, putting aside that Mexico is going to pay for it. That was never going to happen. Ridiculous promise, but whatever. So put that aside. If Trump was going to keep that promise and build that border wall across the entire U.S.-Mexico border, or at least most of it, what would that have have required? Well, it would have required for Trump to get tough on the budget. It would have required Trump to demand border funding in the budget. It would have required Trump to veto that disgraceful omnibus bill from a couple years ago. It would have required Trump to hold firm on the government shutdown instead of caving to Nancy Pelosi. These, it's not easy. But he has decided to take the easy path. Because 62% of the, Amer- of, of the Republican Party said that they will support him no matter what he does or doesn't do. And that means they're going to support him if he signs an omnibus, a disgraceful omnibus bill that gave away all his leverage, it gave Planned Parenthood $500 million to keep killing babies, all the while pretending that he's uh, against abortion. You can't, I'm sorry, in the real world where your actions must line up with your words, you don't get to say you're the most pro-life president in history while you give $500 million to Planned Parenthood. Now, your cultists will let you say that, and your cultists will repeat that, but I'm not doing that. You're not a pro-life president if you give $500 million to Planned Parenthood. You're not a president who takes the budget seriously uh, and our future seriously when you sign this omnibus bill, when you have $1.2 trillion deficit, when you cave on the government shutdown. And by the way, here's another reason uh, Republicans should be a little bit worried about impeachment. And that is, who's leading the impeachment effort? Nancy Pelosi. She's running the entire operation. And guess what? At every single turn, since Democrats won control of the House of Representatives, Nancy Pelosi has bitch-slapped Trump. At every turn. At every head-to-head standoff, political standoff, Nancy Pelosi has won. Just something to consider. You know, she sounds like a blithering idiot, but she's not. Um, and that's the, tr- that's the truth. I know people don't like to hear it. People get very mad at me. I'm sure um, if any cultists are still with the program right now, um, they're throwing things um, at the walls. They're banging their little heads. They're turning... They're turning three shades of red and getting real real angry at me for saying this. But it's true. Name me one political battle that Trump has engaged in with Pelosi and come out victorious. You can't. Hadn't happened. So, just something else to consider. But, anyways. 
this is why I've been so disgusted. This, this right here is the root of why I've been so disgusted with politics over the last year. Because of this, this cult that has taken over the Republican Party. And it makes it very difficult to support President Trump. Now, I'm going to support President Trump. I voted for President Trump. I'm going to vote for him again because who the hell else am I going to vote for? Uh, I don't have another choice. But it's not because of any great accomplishments. You know, look, I'm glad the economy is good. But economies are temporary, as I've explained before. We're going to be in, in another recession at some point in time. And guess what? Trump is not always going to be president. Even if he serves another term, there's eventually going to be another president. hate to break it to you. Um, and if we have a Democrat, they're going to run this economy straight into the ground. And guess what? I think Trump is likely to be the last Republican president for a very, very long time. Largely because of illegal immigration and his failures on that front. You know, we've had probably more than 3 million new illegal, illegal aliens come into this country since Trump took office. Add that to the tens of millions who are already here. Friends, um, we're on the verge of losing this country to the left. The Democrats are very, very close to having a lock on the Electoral College. Trump, well, once, once the Democrats flip Texas, Arizona, some other states, it's over. The Democrats are going to have a lock on the presidency. And Trump is very likely to be the last Republican president, when he, whether he wins a second term or not. And... So it's not on the basis of any huge lasting achievement because, again, the economy is not a lasting achievement. It's, it's very good. It's, it's important that we have a good economy. Right now it's great. Um, but that, that doesn't change any of our long-term problems. The biggest thing was illegal immigration, and, and that has been an utter failure. And our education system, that's another, another one. We don't even talk about that. That's we're not going to do anything when we're not even pretending to talk about it right now. Um, so, you know, I'm going to I'm going to vote for Trump because, like I said, I have no other choice. But, you know, I'm not going to lie. There is there is a serious part of me that is like, I want Trump to lose just so we can get rid of these cultists. But I love my country too much um, to want to. To want to see a Democrat take control. So obviously I'm going to hope that Trump wins and I'm going to vote for him. But I'm telling you, these cultists, it's very hard to be on the same side as these people. Um, it's shameful. It really is. So, Anyways, that's going to do it for me. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed the show. Hope you, I didn't get you too mad. And if I did, you know, whatever. I don't really care. <laughs> but seriously, thanks for listening. Take care. And until next time, remember, continue to fight the left like your freedom depends on it. Because it does.